Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to this very special and shorter than usual preview of the latest Disney Plus MCU show, Echo. Picking up after the offence of Hawkeye, can that really have been two years ago already? This show continues the story of Alacqua Cox's Maya Lopez, who was last seen shooting the man she considered to be her uncle, Vincent D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk, aka the Kingpin, in the face. You thought your family had issues. This five-episode limited series has been trumpeted as Marvel Studios' first proper toe-dip back into the bone-crunching, blood-soaked waters that came with the territory on Netflix Marvel shows like Daredevil, The Punisher, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones. And it's also something of a continuation of Lowe's with Charlie Cox due to show up at some point as Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Daredevil, the man without fear, in whose pages Echo first debuted. But this isn't just going to be a stepping stone to the eagerly anticipated Daredevil, Born Again. This is focused on Maya, who is a deaf Native American vigilante with a whole lot of anger issues. One of the directors on the show is Navajo filmmaker Sydney Freeland, and when she came to London recently, I sat down with her to talk about her personal connection to this material and just what exactly we can expect from Echo when it drops on Disney+. Plus on Wednesday, Jan 10th, in the UK. I had a great time talking to Sydney, and I hope you guys have a great time listening to it as well. Do please enjoy. Sydney Freeland, welcome to the Emperor Podcast. Thank you for having me. Tell me how you you came on board, first of all. Um, You know, I uh, I became aware of the Echo Project, actually, from my email. Um, uh, A director um, pair that I know called Bert and Birdie. Oh, yeah. Um, I got an email from them. I want to say it was early 2020, before just before COVID hit, and the email said, "Do you know any deaf Native American actresses?" <laughs> uh, and I was like, "Nope. Good luck." Um, let me just go to my spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me let me go to my database. Uh, uh, um, and um, uh, they were. You know they they co-directed on Hawkeye yeah. and yeah. they were looking to cast um, Malacqua, uh, Maya Lopez. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the the Hawkeye team and casting uh, casting folks they're the ones that found Alakwa Cox. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I first became aware that the 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 project or that the character was going to be brought into the MCU. Yeah. And then as as Hawkeye came out, and then I think I learned probably learned about the TV series through everyone else as I saw the press announcement that they're going to do an Echo TV series, and I was like, oh man, that's amazing. I would love to. I would so love to do that, and I would so love to put my fingerprints on that. And <laughs> but there's no way, there's no way that I'm going to get a call. There's no way we can get in there. And uh, I was able to get a call, and I was able to get a meeting, and I was able to, you know, kind of pitch the project to Kevin, and um, you know, and that's really kind of how I how I came on board. That's interesting. So, what was your pitch to Kevin? You know, it's interesting because. Uh, you know, obviously you go in and when you when you pitch a project, it's, it's just pre-AI. So like, you know, typically what you do is you make a, a lookbook. You know, yeah, you yeah, make yeah. a lookbook and you, and the way I, way I do it, it's basically a glorified PowerPoint presentation, right? So it's <laughs> like, but you're, you're trying to create the visual look, feel, style of, of the series that you're going to portray. And um, as I've heard it, as, as I've heard it described, you're, you're trying to paint this, paint this series on the back of their eyelids. You know, um, and uh, um, uh, and so really in, in building and in trying to create the the visual style and the aesthetic, and in pitching with Kevin, um, the one thing that that um, stood out to me was you know this is what I told him in the room. I said, listen, I grew up reading Marvel comic books. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, I was a Marvel fan growing up. Um, this is pre, you know, this is like I remember being a teenager reading like, oh man, this would make a great movie. 
It's never going to happen. This is like pre like Sam Raimi Spider-Man, right? This is like in the 90s. Um, and I think only we had like Fantastic Four, but that was the, the shitty one, right? I'm sorry. I don't know. We, we can't cuss. Right? Yeah, we, we can. We can. We can. Um, we encourage it. Make it shitty. Yeah, um, I, I think it's actually. Uh, the, but, but kind of what, what I talked to Kevin about was like, I said, I grew up reading Marvel comic books. Yeah, yeah. And I grew up going to powwows. Powwows yeah. are Native American competition gathering social event. Um, and those two things never overlapped. And they never intersected with each other. And the great thing about the series is that those two things are going to come smashing uh, and overlapping together. And the opportunity to do that would just be like, it would be in incredibly exciting, but also terrifying, you know, because it's, 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 it's something that, you know, um, uh, is, is a little bit of untread ground a little bit. So yeah. that, that, was, uh, that was kind of the conversation. What was in the lookbook? I think were you using specific references from, from uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. Um, uh, Atomic Blonde, uh, I think some John Wick. So you're setting the bar pretty high in terms of action here. Big uh, swings, big oh. swings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So that's what we can expect from from Echo because in the in the few moments we you know we got to spend with with Maya in in Hawkeye, you know there was a, a fair amount of ass to be kicked. Yeah. So. Well, and the, but that's also that was also you know talking about the conversation was, was, you know, the thing to me that was interesting about Maya Lopez is the fact that she was a villain. Yeah. Right. And so, but the response was like, let's lean into that. Let's, let's see where that goes. Let's go down that rabbit hole. Let's see how far we can push that envelope. Uh, and that just very organically kind of resulted in, in, I think like we didn't set out to make a TVMA series i yeah, think yeah. we kind of arrived at that um in by trying to push the envelope in 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 everything from our action sequences to um uh to some of the other um uh content in, in the show um but that was also kind of the point right like we wanted to show that you know we're not dealing with this like fate of the universe you know mm -hmm, these aren't at least mm -hmm. like, cosmic consequences this is a, a story on a little more of a human scale it's a little more street level but that means that people die People uh, get killed, uh, bones break, you mm -hmm. know, um, uh, so on and so forth, and and that, but all of that sort of was dictated by the story. Is is that a natural extension as well of of having Daredevil and and the Kingpin in it? And in, in terms of it, it's obviously a continuation yeah. of of Maya's journey from Hawkeye. The Hawkeye was this frothy, fun Christmas tinge show that also had outbreaks of extreme violence from time to time, but. Porting those guys over from the Netflix shows, which were hard-edged and brutal and flecked with blood, does that automatically as well, I don't know, does that inform the tone? Or are you taking the tone from from Maya? Yeah, you know, everything, every, everything, all roads lead to Echo, right? All roads yeah. lead to and from Maya. And from, yeah. 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 And and so, uh, you know, that being said, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Netflix series. The, of course. The Daredevil series, right? And... Um, but again, in looking at looking at who the character was, what were her circumstances, what was what was her situation, like again, one of the interesting things about for me was, okay, this is how does a deaf indigenous um, girl from Oklahoma become a top lieutenant in Kingpin's army? Yeah, you know, uh, that was an incredibly exciting thing to explore. And for myself, being indigenous, I could I could come up with a, a line of how one could get there. But I, you know, I think for for folks who aren't, you know, who might see being Native American as different or other or you know some an unfamiliar experience, it was incredibly familiar to myself. Um, and so, like being able to being able to kind of like lean into that and explore that was really 
that kind of dictated the tone. And again, look, we come into the series like she is, she is, you know, from people who have seen Hawkeye, she is a top lieutenant in Kingpin's army. So yeah. we didn't want to shy away from that. We wanted to lean into it. It's interesting because obviously the last time we saw her as well, she was rebelling <laughs> in fairly dramatic fashion against the the, the big man himself. Um, can you talk about the repercussions of that? It's not set in New York, so there's already there seems to be repercussions right away. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think um, uh, spoilers for Hawkeye. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 Kingpin uh, Kingpin is instrumental in the death of um, uh, Maya Lopez's father. Yeah, um, and when she learns that he is she's exact revenge and she shoots him um and that whole um that whole plot is is actually instrumental to our entire series and our tagline uh, no bad deed goes unpunished yes. so that's what we get to that's our jumping off point for echo can you talk more about uh exploring exploring maya and where she goes in this i'm very <laughs> interested in this level this idea of it being street level and yeah know, power yeah. set is slightly different and yeah so I, I i think i think within that too it's it's um you know it's also this sort of there's a there's an exploration of of trauma um how it affects us how how others are affected how we cope with it but there's also this exploration of family but more specifically like a, the definition of family you know um and and on one hand, we have, when we come into the series, um, Maya Lopez, she's from Oklahoma. But by the time we come into the series, she's probably more New York than she is Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. And she's firmly planted in, in the kingpin sort of world. So her definition of family coming into this series is slightly different than one that you and I might have. You know, it's probably a little bit more of a conditional um, definition of family. Um, and then as we introduce her to our Oklahoma family and the Oklahoma side, um, we're gonna be introduced to a different definition of family. Um, and we're gonna challenge Maya's preconceived notions of what that is. And um, you know, she's gonna be forced to make a choice uh, between uh, basically, we're gonna challenge her worldview and, um, and we're gonna back her into a corner and make her make, and she's gonna have to make a choice. Those conversations with with Alakwa, what, what, what were those conversations like about playing this character and extending this character as well? Because obviously, Maya was a, a supporting character in in Hawkeye. Here she's the lead. Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, one of the first conversations with with Alakwa was uh, it was actually uh, it was funny because I think one of the, one of if not the first question she asked was, "Can I do my own stunts?" <laughs> um, and no. <laughs> well, and then again, because you know, coming off of coming off of an entire film experience being a few days on Hawkeye to being number one on a call sheet uh, yeah, yeah, for a yeah. Marvel series that shot for over ninety days, you know, it, you have to have a certain type of inner strength and drive, um, uh, as just as an individual, yeah. let alone an actor, to be able to do that. And and she just she showed up and she showed out time and time again. You know, she was in there with the stunt coordinator. She was in there with the choreographer. She was in there with the with the um, you know uh, rehearsing for the fights. Um, but then she was also uh, you know incredible. She got she was able to access an incredibly emotional um, uh, uh, place with the character. Um, and if anything, that's that's one of the things I'm most proud about the series is is the performances Alaka has given. Um, uh, you know, one of my favorite. The scenes in the entire series is a scene worth with two actors that don't say that where not a single verbal word is spoken. Um, uh, it brings me to tears every time I see it. Amazing. Well, I, I want to go back to that, that that email you got from Bert and Bertie. Who sent it, by the way? Was it Bert or Bertie? It was Bert. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. 
It's the sort of stuff that keeps me awake at night. Um, <laughs> so you get this email going, do you know any deaf Native American actresses? Um, and uh, uh, Lacqua gets, gets, gets cast, ultimately. Uh, can you talk about exploring both of those aspects of that character, the, the, the deaf side, first of all? Yeah, no, I mean, the deaf side. And so, yeah, so representation, 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 representation. That's, yeah. that's, that's a no-brainer for me. I'm, I, I come from multiple marginalized communities, and so, you know, like, it's... it's, it's what what is sort of foreign to most people is just everyday life for me. Of course, yeah. Um, but I'm also that being said, I'm not deaf, right? Yeah. So so one of the first things that we did is that um, uh, yes, we had deaf writers in the writers' room. We had deaf consultants behind the scene. We had an American Sign Language master that was translating our scripts into ASL uh, in Doug Ridloff. We had um, you know we had deaf actors and actresses in front of the camera, and um, uh, but for myself personally, it was important that I was, I had some basic level of communication where I could connect with Alakwa. You know, I wanted to be able to just have a conversation with her without, you know, having to go through, uh, multiple parties. And so we all, we, meaning myself and my department heads and my crew, we all took American Sign Language classes, like from the very beginning. Um, and there were a number of positive consequences that actually came from that. And it actually ended up dictating our entire visual style of how we shot the film. So what do I mean by that? Like, I mean, like in, in the process of, um, of taking ASL classes, one thing I learned is that, you know, like, you know, as we're speaking to each other right now, yeah. the words coming out of my mouth are the text, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. the way I deliver those words, that's the subtext. Like, so example, for example, like if you ask me like, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. The text is I'm fine. The mm. subtext is I'm fine. But if you said, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. The subtext is, I'm not right, but in in sign language, it's it's a different it's a different sort of way to get that same in order to get that same emotional context. When you sign, it's typically like sort of here and here, and I'm I'm, I'm uh, audio, so I don't know if you can see me, but it's like typically like sort of chest area and just onto the, okay. the side of the head. Yeah, yeah. Um, this the signing is the text. The facial expression is the is the subtext. But you need you need both of those things to get the full emotional um, uh, uh, context of what's being of uh, expressed and portrayed. And so what that meant is that this became a close up in our TV show, right? Yeah. So um, so typically, like a typical TV close up is kind of you see the the forehead and maybe the chin. Yeah. Right. And so, but in our series, um, a, a close up is kind of you see the top of the head and you see like basically like to the um, uh, chest area or upper to allow ab- room for upper abdomen. Yeah. yeah. So specifically, so you could see the signing and you can see the face to get the full emotional uh, context of what's being uh, portrayed. So in, in that case, and because we were so early in the process and my, in talking with my cinematographer and, you know, and this is where the conversations were like, you know, can we, can we get the emotion if we're not seeing like a close up on the face and the answer uh, now with all the hindsight of having completed the series is absolutely yes, you can. And it can be even in some cases, even more emotional. Yeah. Sometimes it can be the over-reliance on the, yeah. the tight close up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then just, uh, just real quick, it's just a couple of last questions. Can you talk about the exploring the indigenous side and, and, and of, of Maya and what that meant to you personally? On the indigenous side of things, you know, it, it was, again, uh, representation, you know, representation, representation, representation. Mm. Um, like, um, I, hope, I hope that's not coming across as like sarcastic, but it's like, it's just, to me, it's, it's a no brainer, right? But for everyone else, it's like, we need representation. I was like, yeah, of course we do, you know? 
Why not? Um, uh, why would it? Why wouldn't we have representation? So, so for for myself, I think I think the outside world uh, typically kind of looks at uh, indigenous culture as like one big monolith, right? And every native culture is different. Every native language is different. The cultures traditions uh, are, are have their own unique uh, background and and, and and so on and so forth. And so. For myself, I'm Navajo, right? I'm Navajo. That's I grew up in the southwestern United States. Um, the tribe we're portraying is the Choctaw. And they were traditionally from the southeast United States before they were forcibly removed by Andrew Jackson and put on the Trail of Tears and, and relocated to Oklahoma, um, which is a which is a whole other thing. Um, uh, but because I, I'm not Choctaw, it was in the same way that we hired deaf people you to, had to immerse dance. yourself yeah yeah so we brought on uh choctaw writers choctaw consultants choctaw language experts um we even had choctaw actors in front of the camera you know um and we you know again early on we went to the choctaw nation of oklahoma presented the project to them and said listen like i'm not here to tell you what we're going to do i'm here to do two things one is ask your permission and then two create a dialogue and we want your feedback. We want your advice. We want to know where are the boundaries? What are the things that are culturally sensitive? You know, what are the things, what are the boundaries? Like we want to be able to kind of like push the envelope, but let's define where the edge of the envelope is, you know, together. And I think that's, sadly, that's something that that, that is not traditionally done yeah, um, in Hollywood. Yeah. And, and for myself growing up in the Southwestern United States, like I've got I've got relatives that were extras in like John Ford Westerns, you know, uh, back in the 30s and 40s and 50s. Um, and they were just, they were treated like cattle, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, I can imagine. So that was, that was something that was very important for us. Amazing. Uh, I've got to let you go, Sydney, but um, I just want to ask one last question about the the action, um, just to explore that a little bit more in terms of those those references you, you said earlier on, Mad Max, John Wick, Atomic Blonde. So that indicates to me we're going to see a lot of action, maybe a few wonners. And can you talk about about that, what we, what we can expect? And dropping Maya and Charlie Cox. We're expecting something from him as well as as Daredevil. What can you say about that? Yeah, you know, there's a uh, there's a scene and there's a scene in the pilot that we've sort of we we've sort of internally come to call the birth of a villain scene, right? <laughs> um, uh, it is a oneer. Uh, uh-huh. Spoilers for that. Um, <laughs> uh, but the the reason that it's a oneer is because on the page it was it was it, what I what leapt out to me on the page is that um, Maya Lopez enters. The, the scene as a teenage girl uh-huh. and she leaves as a cold-blooded killer. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to see that evolution and progression happen in real time. And it was, um, it, we, we knew it was ambitious to, to do a one of that scale and that magnitude on a TV schedule. But in talking with, um, uh, you know, my stunt coordinator, Mark Cizak and, and the choreography of everything, um, we decided like, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's, you know, let's commit. We're gonna we're gonna go all in, and we're gonna take a big swing, and we might miss, but you know, dang it, if the thing hits, it's gonna hit. Um, <laughs> but again, it all stems from story and character, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so that kind of that kind of dictated our approach. Amazing. And what can people expect from Daredevil in this? I know uh, he's I know he's not the the, the uh, he's a supporting character in this, but yeah. what can people expect? Uh, you know, I think we want to we we definitely want to acknowledge uh, Maya's uh, origin in which was or her introduction, which was in the Daredevil series. Um, and uh, we want to we want to honor and respect that. Uh, and um, I'll, I'll leave it at that and just say you got to see the series to watch out. 
<laughs> Amazing. Find out, yeah. Sydney, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, Sydney, for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, that was Sydney Freeland, and you can see her work by watching all five episodes of Echo, which drop at the same time on Disney Plus for Wednesday, Jan 10th. And keep appealed for a spoiler special on the show as well. If you don't already subscribe to our spoiler specials, my word, a bounty awaits. Go to empire.supportingcast.fm and sign up either monthly or annually. You won't regret it. All right, that's enough for me. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye bye.